Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Pleased to bring in now, of course, the former head coach of the Washington Commanders, one of the best offensive coordinators the league has had over the last 20 years. It's our guy, Jay Gruden. Jay, appreciate the time as always this morning. How was the weekend? It was a great weekend. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing good, Jay. It was a better weekend for you than it was for your old ball club, huh? Yeah, I mean, it happens. I mean, you go on the road against Detroit hungry for a victory, and uh, you come out kind of flattish, and Detroit takes it to you early and just couldn't recover. You know, I think the way Detroit came out defensively especially uh, was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson, I was impressed with them, and their pass rush was getting after them, forcing them into third downs, and then uh, Washington could never convert and keep drives going. And then that – Paved the way for offensively. Detroit made some plays and some big plays, especially 50 yarders, three or four of them, and uh, took a huge lead and kept it. Jay, you've lived it, so you're a guy that can answer this question as good as anybody. When you subscribe to a philosophy of how you want to play, and I'm, I'm talking most notably defensively here, you come up with a scheme, you have a base package of what you think will, will benefit your talent the most, and it doesn't work. How hard is it, A, in-game to change things, and B, how hard is that wrestling match with as a staff to go, hey, this isn't working, we've got to do something else, and, and maybe something else dramatically different than what we're doing because we're not getting results? Well, I think you have to be prepared on both sides of the ball to do that. You might come in with a really run-heavy offensive game plan, but you can't get a yard and you're in third and not long all the time, or you get behind, you got to throw it, so you got to be able to adjust. You can't just force runs down the defensive throw it if they're not working. Same thing defensively. If you're not blitzing and you're just playing a four-man line and playing zone coverage and they're just eating you up, you're going to have to jump into some man-to-man and get in some pressure looks or something. Something's got to happen. Something's got to give to try to get the ball back to your offense, create turnovers. How when you, when you're on the sidelines and you see the way that game is developing in the first half, and and they did hold them to a field goal early, and then they did hold them on fourth and goal, and it really was like first and goal from the Washington seven or eight or whatever it was after uh, the, after one of the big plays. I think it was after the first Amon Ross St. Brown uh, big catch and run. Um, so there were some. Some encouraging signs, I guess, on defense early, Jay. But how quickly do you start going, okay, everything that we planned for, everything that we thought might be wrong or might have to get thrown out of the window and to make those adjustments? Or do you just kind of like let it let a game develop and not judge a game based on two or three series or, or two or three three and outs and, and some bad things that look optically? 
Well, I think at halftime, they must have done something a little bit. They, they were down 22 to nothing at the half. And in the second half, you know, Washington came back, got a few stops, and cut it to a touchdown lead before Goff's touchdown to DeAndre Swift, Swift when he fell down and got back up. So they must have made a little bit of adjustments. They played better on defense in the second half, so that's a good thing. That's a good sign for them. But the first half was uh, quite a, just too many big plays. I mean, you can't give up 350-yard plays. I think Brown had one. I think DeAndre Swift had a run. And another one down the sideline. I mean, you just can't have those uh, against a team on the road, especially. Jay, I know it's simple. It's it's kind of a simplicity to it, but Carson does his best as a space thrower. Aiden Hutchinson gave him no space yesterday. Detroit's push gave him uh, no space yesterday. Just that part alone, how, how much was that the, the biggest disruption for the Washington offense? Because in the second half, when they protected better, obviously the results were better. Yeah, when you look around the league at quarterbacks that struggle, usually it's because it's pressure-related. You know, I think uh, you saw Matt Ryan struggle. They, they got a lot of pressure on Matt Ryan. Uh, he had trouble getting set in his feet, throwing the ball, and that happens across the league, even to some of the best quarterbacks. Tom Brady struggled in the first half mightily against the Saints because they couldn't get the ball off and pressure all over him. So the best will struggle if you don't get the guys blocked. And that's why you preach in the offseason and, and during the draft, hey, we got to protect our quarterback and we got to get after theirs. That's the number one thing in pro football. And, and Detroit got after Wentz, and Washington didn't get after golf in the first half. And, and the lead is too great to overcome. All right, but when that happens, Jay, the way it was happening, and it was every single series in the first half, what are some of the things that you can do? Because I thought coming into this game that Scott Turner was going to – I thought they were going to struggle in pass protection. I thought they were going to give up four sacks, not six, and, and it's six with the intentional grounding. But I thought they were going to screen them, natural screens, not just checkdowns, natural screens. Clearly, again, people don't like to run the ball. Some people do. Some people don't. I like to run the ball more. Uh, you know, whatever. But, I, I mean, like – when when you know they have a pass rush the way they do, and you know that you don't have Jalen Hurts to run away from everything, what are some of the te- the technical X E and O E things that you can do to get rid of the ball quickly when things are when you're getting ambushed? Well, I think the most important thing is change the launch spot of the quarterback. You know, sometimes it's quick game, sometimes it's play action game, sometimes it's boot game to get him outside the pocket you know, off the run fake. So if you're not running the ball effectively, though, then you're stuck in second along. You lose some of those options. Uh, but the most important thing is get more productive on first down. Get the quarterback outside the pocket. Get the ball out of his hands. Try to keep yourself in second and medium, second and short. That really limits Detroit's ability to rush the passer and stick their hand on the ground like on third down and eight when they know it's a pass. Or when they have a 22 or nothing lead, they're just got their – you know, they're in a three-point stance or you're empty and they know it's a pass. They're just rushing your face off. So you got to be able to be uh, able to move the quarterback around, change the launch pad, and, and obviously mixing some screens like you mentioned. Uh, how much would you have salivated to have uh, this Carson throwing in space with those weapons? Because when it works, Jay, it, it, it really does through two weeks. I mean, it, it looks pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, guys he can spread the ball out to. They, they can beat you from top down, too, which is impressive. Not many teams have the speed to beat you over the top, and the, you know, the, some of the big guys and the guys that can catch the ball underneath and make some things happen with the backs and Samuel. And So they got they got weapons all across the board. The key for them is staying in the, the second and short and third and makeable uh, and get Wentz out of the pocket, get him the ball out of his hands so he can be protected because he's pretty ordinary or below average when there is pressure on him, as most quarterbacks are. 
Jay, when you see a guy like Jahan Dotson who now has three touchdowns in his first two games, but more the kind of moves that he's making off the line of scrimmage. I mean, the one-yard touchdown catch yesterday, I'm not sure if you saw the play. I mean, he just shakes the slot corner in a snap of a finger, and he did the basically the same thing on his first touchdown of the two last week. When you see that kind of get off from the line of scrimmage, from a, I guess, defensive perspective, is there anything you can do to maybe, I guess, slow it down? Is it just simply getting a hand in his chest so he doesn't get that quick shake off the line of scrimmage what can you do to stop that or slow that down i think you can give him help you got to give him help you know you got a defensive back has to play some outside leverage with some inside help like a free linebacker or a free safety where they force everything inside and to try to take one side of the field away uh, he's a very dynamic player team teams have been trying to do this to cooper cup for the last couple of years they can't stop him either that's they get true him in stack formations <laughs> they run choice routes in zone they get man to man and they get them uh stack releases get them free releases so it's very difficult to get, uh, stop a guy with that type of flexibility and quickness if he's smart enough to be able to read man or zone as well so uh, i think he's going to be a special player he's showing up the first two weeks at least Jay, 10 or 12 years ago, 7-on-7 football became really popular at the amateur level. And because of that, I've never seen wide receivers more prepared to play earlier in their careers. The elite guys especially, because the footwork for guys like what Dotson and McLaurin show us, what a Stefan Diggs, a Cooper Cup, in terms of their, their technique in their route running, it's elite. And it's elite early in their careers when you knew, I mean, you've, you've probably had some wide receivers who didn't have much of a clue when they showed up uh, in the pro game. Now you got guys that are stepping onto the field with elite footwork right away, and it's pretty impressive to watch, is it not? Oh, it really is. You know, young players are stepping up and playing in big-time situations more and more. You know, it doesn't happen all the time. There are some young guys that really struggle, despite the talent that they have coming out of college. Uh, they struggle to make that adjustment. But, you know, there's a select few that really – come in here and, and uh, they, they, they take the game and they understand the approach to how to attack a defensive back's cushion, uh, how to work releases, how to get up on top of a defensive back's toes and make their cuts and be patient. Uh, it's, it's fun to watch those guys do that naturally. Where you have to to- key coach a guy on every single route is depth, is footwork, you know, make a move at the top of your break, uh, come, come shallow cut, come back to the ball. You know, it becomes it, – it's tough. But when you don't have to coach those little things, like I don't think you have to coach Terry McLaurin to come back to the ball on a curl route. I mean, it naturally happens to him, and same thing with, obviously, Doxon. It's a great luxury to have. Uh, Jay Gruden with us as he is each and every Monday at 10 o'clock, touchdown at 10. The now Rams consultant, former head coach here in Washington, also offensive coordinator with the Jags, uh, and the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, Jay, let me take you to this play in this sequence. Uh, I'm sure you've heard about it if you didn't see it. Uh, Antonio Gibson Uh, Cuts the lead from 29-15 to 29-21 with a touchdown run from one yard out. Ron, and this is early in the fourth quarter, not early, but 10 10 and change left to go in the fourth quarter, down by eight, goes for the two-point conversion because he said that's what the analytics say. A, is that true? That's what the analytics say based on what you remember. Uh, Again, down by 14, you score a touchdown, and it's the fourth quarter. And B, did it make any sense to you even if that's what the analytics say? I've never believed in that. That is what the analytics say. I know Doug Peterson does that all the time. He did it when he was at Philly, and I'm sure he's done it in Jacksonville. There are certain coaches that believe uh, in that. I don't believe in that. I believe in getting it back to seven and then making a decision on your next one to go for two for the win or not. You know, I think given the fact that the field goals are a little bit deeper, the extra points are a little bit further back, they're not quite as much as a gimme that some coaches believe in trying to win the game and get the two-pointer and then uh, win the game with an extra point if you score again. 
And if you don't get it, you're only down eight, and you can still go for two and tie it. But worst case scenario, you don't get it, and then you miss your extra point on the next one, you're you're, you're kind of screwed. So <laughs> uh, I, I I personally don't agree with it, but some teams do. I mean, Jay, is it a case? I mean, look, you guys have wrestled with this for years in the profession. Eye test over analytics. At some point, just as the eye test may paralyze you, sometimes the analytics may paralyze you and you're thinking as well? I think uh, there's some truth to that. I think you have to take the analytics maybe in certain situations as a coach, really. I mean, there's certain things where analytics can come in handy, and there's certain things that I think you have to take with uh, the way the game is going and what your gut tells you. Uh, I don't think you can be paralyzed by analytic uh, results. Uh, you have to coach the game based on your gut and your feel for the game, but you also have to utilize the analytics reports um, to some degree. You know, here one more on that. Like, I don't understand why the analytics would say when you're, again, in, in, in this case, you're down by 14. Okay, granted, it's the fourth quarter. Why it would say go for two on one of the two touchdowns and maybe the first that you would score in order to try and tie the game. Because, again, my argument is basically what you just said. You believe in getting it to seven. Well, duh, I believe in getting it to seven, too. And then I'll take my chances in overtime or on a third possession. i got to tie the game first before I worry about winning or losing it in overtime. And too often we wind up with this mess. Now, again, if he... Well, here was one other element that I thought of, Jay, live in-game, and you tell me. Is it possible, and and maybe you felt this way at times too, Ron was thinking, hey, if I get it to six here, I don't know if my defense can get many more stops, if any more stops. I need one stop and then a touchdown, but if I get one stop and a touchdown, I win, as opposed to just tying it? I mean, is there something to that mentality? Oh, yeah, that's the whole mentality is if you get the two-point conversion, you get a stop and a touchdown, you win the right, game. Right, right, right. You know, I, I didn't personally agree with the one where they went for two when they were down by uh, nine. They, they could have cut it to eight, 22 to 14. They went for two and got it to make it 22 to 15. I thought they should have kicked it to make it an eight-point game, a one-possession game. Because if you don't get that two-point, you're down nine. Two possessions is a huge deal uh, as opposed to one possession. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just I mean, there's certain coaches that like to do it uh, the analytic way and there's certain that do it the old-school way. Jay, how tough is that plane ride thinking about, you know, should I make changes on my staff? Do I make changes in my personnel area, you know, with my players uh, right now, especially when a unit is struggling? Because I imagine that's got to be one of the toughest parts of that profession is how how do I make changes if I feel uh, that they're necessary? Because these are people you hire, you trust them. There was a reason why you brought them here in the first place. And I imagine that's got to be the t- one of the tougher parts of this right now, especially for Ron, as you know they don't want to overreact to bad results. But right now, the trend certainly on one side of the ball is not consistent and not good for them right now. Yeah, I think it's a little early to overreact and start thinking about that. I think you try to have your coaches make adjustments for your next week coming up. Whoever they play next week, they got to make some adjustments to get ready for that team. Being one and one is not the end of the world. They're uh, in first place, possibly if Philadelphia loses the. Uh, or the Giants are in first place at two and zero. Game back, worst case scenario. Um, there's only two games. They played a very revved up Lions team. They didn't play their best ball in the first half. It's got mm-hmm. far, too far behind. I just think it's a little too early to panic right now. I think if this trend continues like it's been continuing, I think they'll have to look into uh, 
make us some changes. Uh, spin around uh, the rest of the NFL, Jay. I mean, we saw the Ravens absolutely throw up all over themselves uh, yesterday to a really electric offense with McDaniel and all the weapons they have and Tua uh, playing out of his mind in the fourth quarter. We saw the uh, the Browns, uh, you know, again, choke all over themselves in the inside the last two minutes. What comeback, the Raiders and 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 uh, and, and the um, uh, the Cardinals, what comeback of those three stood out to you the most as maybe the most impressive or the worst uh, blown lead of, of the three, if you will? Well, the worst blown lead was Cleveland. I mean, all Nick Chubb has to do is go down and game's over. Uh, they gave the opportunity for the Jets to come back and then score 14 points in 90 seconds. That's, that's unheard of, but it happens in pro football. That's the most important thing. You're never out of a game or the game's never over till the zeros are on the board. You know, the Arizona comeback was impressive, but uh, when you have the ability to fall down before the touchdown and run the clock out and take a knee, uh, you got to do that. And uh, that's one Cleveland will never get back. That's a tough loss for them and a great comeback for the Jets. How good is my guy, Daryl Henderson? Jay, I love that guy. And I think Sean is figuring out some very creative ways to use him and uh, finally staying healthy, knock on wood, uh, out there helping the Rams. Yeah, I think they're utilizing the backs extremely well. Cam Akers got more involved yesterday as well. So uh, those guys are pretty good. They almost blew a lead as well. You know, mm-hmm. I need to tell you, that Atlanta came roaring back, went for a great pick by Jalen Ramsey. Heck, Atlanta could have won that game as well. So uh, there's a lot of work to do amongst these NFL teams early in the season. But, uh, you know, Tua, you mentioned Tua. I, I watched that game as well. I was watching both those games, and, and that was incredible. Those, those two receivers for the Miami Dolphins are as good as one-two punch in the history of the league, in my opinion. And, and Jay uh, mentioned uh, Sam. Well, I, I guess we didn't mention it. I, I was going to mention it. San Francisco losing Trey Lance so early. I mean, obviously, it's a huge thing that they didn't get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. But uh, like to me, that was part of the reason in not wanting to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. If I'm Kyle and John Lynch, is because Trey Lance was hurt last year. He hadn't played a lot of college football. Unfortunately, uh, a, a terrible injury early yesterday. And, and here you go, like a Super Bowl contending team now still has a chance. Whereas many teams, if they lose their starting quarterback week two, they have no chance. You're exactly right, and especially the way Trey Lance needs to be utilized to be effective. You know, he's not a pocket passer. He has to utilize his legs, which will put him in harm's way, so to speak. So you have to have a backup quarterback with some experience that can throw the ball down the field and, and, and do some things, especially with uh, the likes of Jimmy Grapple has won so many games. It was a no-brainer, in my opinion. I mean, if something happened to Trey Lance and they didn't have Jimmy Grapple, I don't even know who their backup is, Block or something like that. I've never heard of him. So it was a, it was a great move by San Fran. Unfortunately, Trey Lance, his developmental beef, you know, halted for another year. Uh, but what a luxury to have to have a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo come off the bench and, and be your quarterback. Yeah, no doubt about it. Jay, as always, appreciate the time. We look forward to talking to you again next week at 10. You got it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jay. You got it. Appreciate it, Jay. Jay Gruden joining us as he does every Monday morning at 10 a.m. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.